Hi, hello, and welcome to Oh Boy, the podcast presented by Man Repeller. I'm your host, Jay Bume, and today's guest is the writer Kathy Liu. You might know her from her work for The New Yorker or on The Nightly Show with Larry Wilmore or from Any Given Sunday on HBO. She also helped to get the comedy web video network Above Average up and running. We had an awesome conversation that may or may not have revealed our pop-punk and ska-riddled past. You'll just have to listen to find out. We don't have a sponsor this week, so let's get into it. I live right by the rotating foot sign. Was that there when you were there? Oh, yeah. 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 I believe in its mythical powers. Yeah, the rotating foot sign, is that right by um, that dope Cuban spot? Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's all... I, I like it because it... Someone, when I first moved there, told me that basically whatever you see first, whether it's like the happy or the sad sign, like indicates the type of day that you'll have. Oh, that's amazing. So I drive by and I always like crane my neck and I'm like, (laughs) what kind of day is today going to be? Yeah. And now there's like a ramen place that people wait online for like hours. Yeah. I don't believe in lines. Yeah. Me neither. I'm not about that line. I know. Me fucking neither. Okay. Like, like this is the thing. LA, New York, there is a million places to eat great food. I see... It's you not do even, not need to wait online. It's not even food. It's it's anything. Like, I play this game with my friends where we talk about, like, is there anything that is worth it enough to you that you would wait in line for two hours? My answer is always, like, talking to Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. Like, seeing him speak. Mm-hmm. That would probably be my one thing. Right. Well, where'd you grow up? I grew up in San Diego. Okay. So close to amusement parks, certainly. Yeah, you, it was, I'm sure I would imagine there would be good water parks in San Diego. Yeah, that is true. I, you know, I just think that especially nowadays, there are so many different things that are available to you, whether it's like food, yep. whether it's hanging out with friends. Honestly, there's so much stimulation that it just, this one thing has to rank so extremely high on your list in mm. order to be like, yes, yeah, I will sit here in the cold so so grow up in san growing up in san diego what was that like picture like the chillest environment you've ever been in Uh uh-huh then make it chiller yeah and then that's san diego it's like 70 degrees all the time right yeah it's it's always really idyllic it's very beautiful you grew up in the city proper um yeah yeah i guess i mean it's kind of spread out yeah Yeah. it's all kind of spread Mm -hmm. out um so I grew up there, and it's it's such a like beautiful, chill environment. And I think that a lot of people who have like a strong connection to the beach and do like water sports, I call them chads, chads. like have like a deep love for San Diego. Chads and Jeremy's. Yeah, just like a ton of chad surfing. Yeah. Um, but I'm like not very into the beach, so for me it was more like okay, this is like a beautiful, nice area. Do you think that that can make people too soft growing up? In that kind of environment? I think people love to say that. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I find that people love to associate that with the West Coast in general. But I think that if anything, like, I feel like I've heard people 
play devil's advocate where they either say, yeah, it's so chill that like you never get anything done. Then the flip side is, oh my gosh, it's so chill that you just have the freedom to create and the freedom to be who you are. Right. And so at the end of the day, it just feels like it comes down to kind of like personality type and... There's no uniform blanket experience. Of course, of course, right? Yeah, of course. But it it is interesting because I find that my buddies like in New York are always like, oh, I mean, it's a California thing. Well... It's what we tell ourselves to like make it through the winter. Yeah. We have to tell ourselves that it's character building. That is true. You know, we're like, what does summer mean if there isn't winter? (laughs) And how do I even know what to emote (laughs) if the leaves don't change color? How do we know that time passes? (laughs) These are the things. So it's like, this is the things we have to tell ourselves to like endure that kind of like abuse. Yeah, I guess. I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What kind of kid were you growing up? How, what were you spending your time doing? If I had to think about my childhood, I have I have a really good memory, but I have a particularly vivid memory of being uh, in middle school, I guess. And I had a binder that, you know how you could have those like clear inserts oh, yeah. on binders to express yourself. Uh, <laughs> and on one side, I had a photo of Tupac Shakur. Uh-huh. And on the other side, I had Kurt Cobain. Okay. And I just remember these kids teasing me, being like, Ew, what's your deal? And I just... Because you were like too punk for the rap kids? I don't know. I think that they were just like... I mean, in retrospect, if you think about it, like a young woman carrying a binder of two dead musicians that are incongruous with each other, I I can see where bullies would kind of come out of the woodwork and be like, yo, that's weird. Yeah, I guess I understand that. I was like a metalhead who also listened to like Bjork. And so I think for me, you know, I was a huge nerd and I feel as though it's become very popular now yes. to be like, that's what I was about to ask. Yeah, you, like, no, uh, I, it, you know, it's like, I feel like you could ask a supermodel, like, what were you like when you were young? And they'd be like, ah, oh, interestingly, like I was a huge nerd. So no, dorky, you know, but yeah. no, it, and I don't know why I'm bragging about this to be like, yes, I was the card carrying nerd. Uh, <laughs> But yes, I was the card-carrying <laughs> nerd. Um, you know, I, I was super interested in politics. I was super interested in sports, um, Where in did music. That come, where did that come from? I read the newspaper every day because my parents uh, were, I think, very aware that if I watched too much TV, I would just be totally all over the place. Mm-hmm. So uh, didn't really have much TV, didn't really have internet, and uh, read the newspaper basically religiously, which kind of set me off on different paths of being interested in whatever topic and kind of pursuing that very heavily and then dropping, you know, just in the way that a kid has like that squirrel's attention span. I, you know, that's really interesting you say that because like I just remember always reading the newspaper in the morning too when I was a little kid because like it was just what was on the table. Exactly. Yeah, it, it becomes a habit. I mean, for me, my interest in sports developed because I honestly read the newspaper like cover to cover and I would get really stuck on like box scores and so I would just exhaustively read box scores and kind of try to figure out what was happening and try to anticipate trends based on looking at all these box scores and kind of being like oh man I wonder what's going to happen and so that was kind of how I got interested in sports and then of course you know there's all of the other sections of the paper so yeah ended up oh that's cool deep dives What, what was your family like growing up very chill. Yeah. Very, <laughs> yeah, not to, not to like lump them in with Sandy. No, yeah. but, uh, you know, really supportive, cool people who I think 
ultimately saw that I was a very like self-motivated person. And mm-hmm. so they were like, run with that. Like, they just were encouraging you. Yeah. That's I feel, cool. and I feel very lucky. Do you have brothers or sisters? I have a brother. Yeah. yeah. Older, younger? Older. Okay. So like they just, were they like, he kind of, did he like kind of like blaze a path that allowed you to kind of have an easier go of it or it was just easy all around? <laughs> Everything was so easy. No. no. Uh, I think that like older siblings, you know, always help kind of move things along, yeah. right? Oh, and yeah. kind of test drive, if if you will. Mm-hmm. Um but for me, I would say growing up in my family and being around, uh, you know, my parents and my brother, something that I learned was that you had to be really, really passionate about, you know, your career and what you were doing because, uh, you know, they all had like the same jobs throughout and like seeing how much they enjoyed work was oh, really, really nice. Like That's cool. You you never really hear that story that much. You always hear the other side of it, you know, right. and where it's like, oh, I saw them just like be miserable all the time and I knew I didn't want that. Yeah, it's no. It's kind of cool to come, come to that from like a place of love. It, yeah, if anything, it was just kind of like, whoa, I don't know if I'll find something that yeah. I can, you know, and, and obviously in this day and age, it's pretty different. Like no one still works for the same company for like 30 no. years type thing. Well, what were they doing? Uh, both of them are physicians. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's cool. Just general. Mm-hmm. That's great. Did they meet in like San Diego at like doctor school? <laughs> no, they met like I think in college. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, like a cool doctor mixer. Yeah, you know, San just Diego. like one like, of those. <laughs> like, you know, it was like, you know, we we're in the young doctor's mixer party. <laughs> uh, besides newspaper reading, do you remember the first thing you were really interested in? I was on a competitive jump roping team. Okay. Yeah. How did you get into that? Thank God it was like in an era before YouTube. Uh-huh. So there's no like footage of it. There's yeah, no but like, memory of it. When you say competitive jump rope, is it like teams where it there's was a like team. double dutch kind of like? Yeah, it was a. Well, that's cool. That's not embarrassing. Team. It, you know, it's not embarrassing now, but yeah. I think at the time when you're a kid and you so desperately want to fit into what everyone else is doing, like it was kind of weird for me because it was like, oh my God, I just want to be doing ballet or, oh my gosh, I should just be doing, I don't know, Wait, so you competitive did... handball. <laughs> so that, those, that was what you wanted to be doing instead of jump rope? Instead of like competitive, am I using it as competitive jump rope? Like competitive double dutch tournaments? No, it was, like, so it was a... It like was, was like bring it on style battles with other crews and it, stuff? It was a jump rope team that was based in San Diego that competed against teams all across the country. So did you get to travel and stuff? Yeah. So I traveled and oh, there cool. were different events. There was like double Dutch. There was, you know, single sort of tricks and things like that. And that was what I was doing like from a very early age. And I think was probably one of those experiences that teaches you that if you're doing something and it's a little bit quirky or weird, like that's totally fine. Just like keep rolling with it. Yeah. If you enjoy it, keep that's, rolling. That's cool. Like, would you say that defined, like, was that like an awkward time for you or did, did that continue on after that? Don't you think we're all still in an awkward time? Well, yes and no. I mean, I'd say like I was in an awkward time where I was uncomfortable with it, but now I'm just like comfortable with it. Like I bought that mm. jacket the other day in the ladies department of forever 21 and that's pretty awkward, but like that's I'm, not awkward. That's smart and functional. I'm totally cool with it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I don't. I'm not. I, I'm like comfortable with my awkwardness. 
you know? I see what you're saying. I mean, if anything, that was a period of time where I think I learned that skill of, yeah. of kind of owning whatever you were doing. If you're yeah. going to commit any time outside of, you know, work and your regular life to do an extracurricular activity or engage in anything, you should be into it. Yeah. And never do anything just for the sake of like, I don't know. Man, bless you for realizing that early on. That oh. saved you a lot of therapy. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it saves about a that. lot of money in therapy right there. <laughs> Having a good head on your shoulders. Jeez. Doing all that double dutch, just like working it out through that and you know. No, but that totally makes sense. It makes sense. Um did you have people besides like Kurt Cobain and Tupac? Were there like, you know, people <laughs> that you looked up to growing up, people that you wanted to emulate? Yes. I among those people who I really loved. So yeah, but who who were the other people that you were that you were looking up to and like wanted to emulate? I really admired um, Kofi Annan. Really? Yeah. Where did that come from? Just like you knew him as a figure, obviously, from keeping up with the news and like being interested in like world Keep, goings on. Right. Keeping up with the news. I was a big model UN kid. Okay. And it, you know. So just to just to validate that, yes, I was the nerd. Um, so I was really big into Model UN, and in general, it was just a way to learn about the world around me and the culture. And so he was kind of, you know, whoever represented the UN at the time. Uh, and so I was very interested in his career, and then I was also very interested in Theo Epstein, who's the, uh, you know, the sabermetrics whiz kid from... The Red Sox, who then went over to the Cubs. Oh, I don't. It, that's not the kid that like Moneyball's based on, is it? No, no, that's a different person. No, he was he was a, like the youngest GM. Uh, I forget how old he was, but it was you know when the Red Sox won the World Series, and so to me oh, that yes, yes, like yes. looking from afar, I was like, whoa, that's so crazy to be so young and really really good at a job that was traditionally reserved for like much older people. Mm-hmm. Um, so a vast array, I would say, of just yeah. like different figures who kind of represented whatever I was reading at the time and sort of, you know, as you said, digging into like, who are the people who actually move the needle in these respective industries? Yeah, yeah. Um, did you have a path that you wanted to follow? Like, did you know what you wanted to do? No, I think that for me, I was much more interested in you know, am I engaged in what I'm doing right now? Like, yeah. am I interested and passionate in whatever this specific thing? More I'm just doing? immediate, less like big picture. You got it all mapped out kind of thing. <laughs> I mean, I think it's always, I think that's, look, that's a, that's a great way to approach things. Like, well, for me, it was that I was always interested in having, um, and I still am like interested in having a larger goal, but I also think that just as important, like the steps leading to larger goals need to be enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that was probably from just seeing my family, as I you know said before, just the way that they were so engaged in what they were doing. Um, so I, I think if I'm being so honest, though, I saw myself doing something political. And, really? And being in international politics. So when you were when you were getting ready to go to college, was that something that was going through yes. your head? Yes, yeah. I was. Uh, I was actually doing research work for a university professor when I was in high school in like political organizing. Okay, and so that was something that I thought that is probably where I'll end up doing some kind of politics. What and 
Were you active in politics, like even in high school, like you're just involved in, like I, you know, as much as you could be, obviously. But like, no, I mean, I, I was, I would consider myself. I, I went to protests and stuff when I was in high school. And, I don't know if I was active in that way, but I was more active, I would say, from an academic perspective gotcha. of like, you know, trying to really read as much as possible, synthesize the information, and kind of figure out from there, like what what kind of steps to take. Was there somebody that was kind of turning you on to that stuff or was it all just like this like kind of discovery on your own? I mean, I think that just when you're reading a lot and you're trying to figure out sort of, you know, in the broadest sense, how the world works. Yeah. For me at the time, I kind of thought that the key to that was sort of like, political maneuvering Mm -hmm. and international relations that was sort of where my mind at least went there wasn't like a particular person I think who pushed that as much as me being like oh I think that 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 will unlock (laughs) all of the answers well like were you like wise beyond your peers whereas like you're in high school like civics class or history class and like you're being taught things you're like that's actually not what happened. No, oh my gosh. Okay. No, 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 no. Not a well actually person. Uh, no, always just very open to, to learning from other people. And I, it's good. I mean, I not. Oh, I've never heard that term before. That's amazing. I, no, I've heard then that you're term. You're lucky. That means you haven't been around so many that you've needed to. Well, to no, like name it. No, but there's like there was that great meme that was going around for a while, which is I can't believe that's a sentence I just said out loud, but. Uh, where it was like, where does a mansplainer get his water from? <laughs> it's like a well, actually. That's perfect. I haven't seen that. I will now actively look for it, which I will shame you for in the future. <laughs> Please do. Um, yeah, no, that's good. That's really good. Like, wh- you know, because I feel like when you're younger and if you kind of have this curiosity and I feel like if you have this knowledge, there's this tendency where you want to kind of prove yourself in a way where you kind of want to... Um, you know, what would that word be where you kind of want to like, be like, no, see, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm much more clever than you are. Like I'm, but in fact that that's a way for you to like learn less and be open to less knowledge. See, it's funny you say that because maybe if you dragged up like Susie from middle school, she would say, (laughs) uh, actually (laughs) Kathy was a total tool bag. (laughs) Well, you know, we get to look back on things the way we want to now. (laughs) That's fine. That's fine. You know, so, so, so you wanted to, you know, go down this like political path. Wh- where did you end up going to college? I went to Yale. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and I actually continued a lot of the political stuff there. I, uh, was very, very fortunate that I had the opportunity to do various like research projects, mm-hmm. um, and just kind of, again, continue to pursue like independent study what was it like for you when you went uh when you left san diego and went out there was there any kind of like adjustment period for you or did you did you feel like you uh, you had found yourself in a place where you're like oh, okay great i'm around people that like it feels good i feel good here i feel home in mm. a way i think you know and i i think when you grow up somewhere you always end up idealizing the place that's like the exact opposite of wherever you are because Mm -hmm. you're like, Oh my God, my suburban Mm -hmm. angst. Yeah. Like let it out. Problems don't exist on the East coast. Did you make it out of like San Diego without having like a pop punk phase, like a blink 182 phase? Like 
that oh my god I feel like you totally just found the Achilles heel and you're like I've discovered it uh no of course I didn't escape that phase that phase and you know what's really weird that phase is coming back in popular culture like I've seen tons of billboards for like emo night in LA oh yeah and then I saw one here and I just was like what we all loved it we all were there Look, we, I was... We bury that. We I bury was, that. I was in a fucking ska band. Oh, God. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, yes. How many people were in the ska band? It was only three. We didn't have a horn section. Oh, shit. What yeah. was it called? Uh, it was called New Jersey Skank Squad. <sighs> wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Yes. And then me and my cousin and I were in a political punk band called Uncle Scam. Yes. And we wrote some... We fucking stuck it to the man. We really fucking stuck it to the man. Wow. Okay. You you definitely one up me on on that. But I definitely was listening to all of that stuff I, and that, feeling my feelings. Yeah. Like SoCal had like a very. It's funny because I grew up in New Jersey and knew there was a big connection between like New Jersey and Southern California. Both equally had a very healthy like punk scene and like pop punk scene. I mean, I must have seen Blink One Eighty Two play like at least six or seven times by the time I left high school, you know, I didn't really go to concerts growing up, but I'm, and my teenage self is envious of that stuff. (laughs) I mean, my friend just went to go see like less than Jake play like losing streak. And it's entirety. Really? Like that's the point where we're at now where like those bands are doing in its entirety. All right. But my favorite, my favorite was real big fish. Okay, yeah, that you makes know? sense. I mean, yeah, yeah, of course. Duh, you were in a ska band. <laughs> but also, I like there was like there was some good there was like there was like some good screamo kind of stuff that got in there too. You know, <sighs> story of the year. Yeah, sure. What well, Rage Finch? <laughs> I cannot believe you just said Finch. I this podcast has now this is now my, becoming an emo podcast. <laughs> this has changed okay. from oh boy to <laughs> oh emo stuff. <laughs> oh emo. Oh wristbands. Um. Finch, I, I, when I was in high school, like I used to shoot footage for drive through records. Oh so like I used gosh. to shoot for like, I used to shoot like something corporate and, uh, Finch and, um, I think it, dashboard was off drive through at that point, but like, that was a cr- dashboard was like a really critical time. Yeah. I was just in Asbury park last weekend where like I went to all the, cause that's where we would go to see shows growing mm-hmm. up at like the stone pony and the convention center and all these places. And like every time I go there, I'm still like brought right back to those moments, like seeing those bands there. Oh it's God. wild. So many feelings, <laughs> so much yelling, so many feelings. The name of my memoir. <laughs> it's look, it's good. You know, there's a, a, a I'm going to cut this out, but like I can, I can not this, not this part about I'm about to say, but there's like this new band that I love that I feel it's like emo for adults. Emo adjacent. What yeah, is this, it? They're called balance and composure. Okay. I have to look them up. Oh, you got to check them out. They're so good. It's like, it's, 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 it's like adult feelings. Holy crap. Yeah. I am so excited <laughs> to look that up. <laughs> I remember. Yeah. Something corporate. I just used to be a nerd. And then, oh the my God. First fallout boy album. Don't, don't knock it. It was good. It was good times. I'm trying to remember. There was this. There was like Cargo Records was a record label that was based that out too, of like yeah. over where you were. Yeah, man. Yeah. They, anyway, I'm getting off on a tangent, but uh, so we're about. Let's go back to Yale. Let's go back to a safe space. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. So like, so, so what were you doing there? Did you, did you, did you, um, cause I would imagine going to a place like that, you were exposed to all these great people. There's a lot of great opportunities. Was that something that you were taking advantage of while you were there? I think I would have felt really guilty if I didn't work hard and take advantage of what was there. And I think that, you know, in retrospect, I almost feel like I could have spent more time talking to my friends because they now and continue to be just truly the most interesting people to me. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and they're all doing so many different things all over the map that I feel like I could have probably spent more time socializing and chilling (laughs) with them and then been like, okay, I've learned everything I need to know. But um, I... I hadn't really traveled internationally, and so that was a big goal of mine during college. And I ended up doing a couple of different fellowships abroad. Uh, where, like in, in the summers or during the school year? Yeah, spending the summers uh, doing independent political research. So That's cool. Like going to different countries and getting, getting yeah. understanding what like well, how it's working? Or? So one of the first things that I did was um, I went to Ghana to research Kofi Annan. Okay. And that's where he was from. And so talking to his family members and talking to people who he grew up with and trying to kind of piece together like his life story. Did you like set that all up yourself? Was that like you just like cold calling and just being like... Cold calling. I wish. I wish that people picked up phones. (laughs) I wish people did that. Like that's so cool. Like I, 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 you know, that's just like, I just, that's that's just the concept of that's so exciting to me. I'm just curious of like how you did it, how you made that happen. Yeah. I mean, I was working with a professor at the time who was organizing like all of his papers Mm -hmm. and so I kind of and I'm always this way I I really enjoy understanding where people are from sort of how that shapes them right and so for me it was really important like okay I'm doing all of this research for this professor but to me the story here is like where's this dude from um and so I went there and I didn't really have that much of a plan and in hindsight like I don't think you can really plan that stuff out you can ha- I mean you can have an idea going into it sure, but it's gonna sure. show you what it is but like a lot of it just has to be I think being in a particular place doing yeah. field research and just trying to understand you know the context beyond whatever sort of research and academic books that I was reading at the time so yeah. um I ended up researching him pretty much all throughout college and that was like one thing that I was doing that was really interesting to me because it was outside of kind of any regimented like you should be working on this and it was just sort of a passion project really just like doing research on him just kind of understanding yeah and so what he was about and like how he got there yeah exactly and so and that was something that was that I felt really lucky to be able to do to have, you know, mentors there who I could kind of talk to about that research and to kind of figure out how to shape it. And looking back on it, like, you know, what, what are the takeaways? What are the things that stuck out to you the most about like, you know, what did you take away from like studying his life? And, and it's impossible, I think, to write a biography about a diplomat. That's what I learned. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, in terms of like, I don't know, right? Like a diplomat, their whole life is being able to kind of keep you at arm's length distance. Mm. And so um, I ended up writing some form of a biography that still exists like somewhere in my archives, but 
uh, it, I ultimately like scrapped it because I didn't feel like I, I, I just didn't feel like I had a total sense of his career because obviously you can write kind of the backstory of like where they're from, right. who they knew, but like, as I'm sure, you know, you might say, I wouldn't really want to be judged based on what my neighbor from when I was like 12 said about completely. me. <laughs> like, no, completely. Being like, oh, that girl, like she always <laughs> was climbing trees. Like, you know what that means. And so I think that 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 was like a significant takeaway that like when you're writing about people, it's so easy to kind of insert your own thesis onto like who they are that may not align. And so that for me was kind of, just a takeaway was that like your first big experience with like trying to write something large something like for sure hefty and did you enjoy that was that something that you found that you really enjoyed that process yeah I I love that process I mean I I always really like enjoy I mean let me take that again uh (laughs) I always enjoy writing longer things while also writing shorter things. You know, I, I, I enjoy being able to kind of balance multiple projects at once. Yeah. Um, because I think otherwise I would go crazy if I was just solely focused on one person. Well, they do different things for you, right? Like something is a more immediate, other things are like more of a slow burn, right? Yeah. And you need some sort of outlet, you know? Yeah, exactly. Just like you said, otherwise you go, you go nuts, you know? But yeah, that was my first experience writing a longer form piece about someone and it was interesting only in that like it was research-based but then also trying to kind of create a narrative for someone Mm -hmm. and balancing those two objectives I think is something that I continue to to really grapple with of how much of a story are you inserting versus what is the research showing you and how are you stringing that together right so when you're when you're getting exposed to all these things and you're traveling around um did you have an idea of what your path was going to be when you were done with school? No, I knew that I really wanted to, uh, you know, stay involved with multiple subjects. Like yeah. for me, if you were to ask me then, and honestly, if you were to ask me now, I would still be like, my ideal job would be a professional student, just yeah. <laughs> always like reading about different things. And uh, no, I actually was really interested in living abroad right after college. Um, What about it spoke to you? I think I had just had so many good experiences uh, learning how to be very self-sufficient and kind of experimenting with different sides of like, you know, your creative process while being in a foreign country was exciting to me and Mm -hmm. just being able to, um, you know, having a different set of obstacles, I guess, than what I had normally encountered. Did you enjoy that kind of feeling of going up, going somewhere and just not knowing anybody and just making your way through through it? Or that's lonely, but yeah, I, I mean, don't think that's lonely. That doesn't necessarily have to be lonely. Yeah, that is true. I think what I found. I mean, if you want to talk lonely, I think LA <laughs> is fucking. That's a lonely place, man. I mean, I think what when I say lonely, what I really mean is that what I found because I I moved. Um, to Shanghai for like right after college. Oh, cool. Um, what, for, like do- for only for a couple of months because I, I found that like anytime there's like a significant language barrier, which for me there was, it just becomes very hard to express yourself. You know, like right. obviously like the difference. And that was something that was really important for me to figure out for myself that like the difference between being able to communicate with someone like your needs of like, I would like to buy this you know, carton of milk Mm -hmm. versus like 
just sharing my deep, passionate feelings about buying milk, uh, you know, really made a difference for me. And so that I, I went there for a couple of months to try it on for size and see if I could potentially live there. And ultimately was like, oh, man, so much fun. Got to got to get back. So get back to where? Uh, and so then I came to New York. OK. Yeah. <laughs> Why New York? Uh, I think there's something about growing up in California that I always knew I would end up in New York. Like to the point where I was completely fine not really learning how to drive because mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I'll live in New York, so it's fine. <laughs> I don't, Which, need, yeah. don't worry, like ended up biting me in the butt, <laughs> as obviously it would. I, uh, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, I'm trying to, I'm just remembering my friend who grew up in New York. I remember the first time she picked me up at the airport in San Francisco. And she was driving on, like, the wrong side of the highway. No, and I that's was like, terrifying. Yeah. That's... I, was, I was like, yeah, I could see how that could be a little hard. That's straight up terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> so you're coming to New York, and did you know what you wanted to do? I had a job. I And I had actually had a job, too, in China. Um, I was in New York working at, like, a branding strategy firm. So they were doing strategy for large companies and then implementing it through design and 3d design so it's kind of like a half business half art yeah that's that's actually exactly what my like fiance does she she does like design thinking oh cool yeah she works at gensler oh yeah awesome they like um she like just graduated from um she did like a dual program at micah and uh johns hopkins Mm. where it's like business and art and yeah uh, and that i mean that stuff's really it's really interesting super interesting and i um I was always like very excited, as I had mentioned before, about kind of taking on multiple things at once. And to me, the opportunity to study both the art side of mm-hmm. business and then business itself was really exciting. Mm-hmm. And, and so when you were doing that, what, was, what, what did you find fulfilling about it at that time? Well, it's interesting because when I was there, what I realized was the people I admired the most were graphic designers and like 3D designers. What, what about them? Just the fact that I felt like they were the ones who were actually doing a thing, yeah. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. On my side of... A tangible thing. Exactly. And yeah. so like on my side of the aisle, it was very much like, I think you should do this because I think it'll be great. And then seeing that vision realized, I was very inspired by people who were doing tangible things, mm-hmm. that they could make things. So I think that... While I was there, I was also reading a lot. Like I was reading, you know, a lot of essays from people and a lot of just, I mean, this was a little bit in the era of like when Thought Catalog was like bumping. Okay. Uh, And it wasn't that that I was reading, but I was reading a lot of just like personal essays and a lot of people writing. And that's all to say that being in that environment and then also reading so much made me be like, I want to be making things like I want to be writing and I want to you know actually write so what did you do to manifest that I started writing (laughs) (laughs) about what do you just just about anything or no I I started writing a lot of comedy stuff um I why comedy I think for me and like satire in general I think that it's a place where you can essentially distill a lot of insights that you have been kind of 
walking around with without necessarily having to kind of write like that first person Mm -hmm. narrative essay of like, hey, you know what's really annoying? Lines. And then you're writing this whole essay about lines and people are like, I didn't need to read a thousand words about that. But then kind of the layer of commentary about like, what does that say about our level of patience? And what does that say about kind of, you know, hoarding and, you know, like, being in one area you know that, that makes me think about that one piece that you wrote for the new yorker where it was like was it is this about drake or bernie sanders oh yeah <laughs> it, <laughs> see, like it's though it's cool to see like that through line's still there you i know? appreciate that yeah no that 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 was also just kind of the same thing of like reading a lot about you know the election and then also just being obsessed with drake yeah and so but so did you did you have a background in comedy was that something you had always loved or was it just something that just felt to you like the most economical way to get your thoughts out hmm i mean i feel like like i feel like i've been writing my whole life mm-hmm. um but comedy in particular i think i was always very uh anxious around like I looking back on it maybe my first week of college I had a writing tutor who was helping me write like an art history essay and maybe it's just because of how bad the essay was but she was like have you ever thought about maybe writing like humor pieces and I was like no absolutely not (laughs) were you like insulted by yeah exactly (laughs) it's just like one of those things that I think is funny because had I taken that person's advice the first week of college, <laughs> I would probably not have had to kind of meander so much to ultimately get to that point. You know, I, I think about those kinds of things all the time, but like, you know, the comp is always like corrects itself. Sure. You no, know? It, but it is funny to me because I think about like people have asked me, you know, how did you get into like writing comedy stuff? How did you get into this? And half of me just is like, uh, I should just say that it was the first week and I, and all of the answers <laughs> right. like revealed themselves. No, but you know, I don't pip that's the, that. And that's another thing that I like doing about this podcast because everybody's story is so different and there's no one right way to get yeah, to something. That you know? is true. And I think about, there was some one tweet that I saw that somebody wrote after Leonard Cohen passed away where it was like first album at like 33 First hit song at 50, first stadium show at 70. You know what I mean? And it's like, it's always nice to hear different kinds of stories, right? Because we always hear the story about the prodigy, the person who was just like in love with something. I knew I wanted to do this. And then for people who are, you know, maybe on the fence about pursuing something they really want to do, they, you know, they can feel like, oh, well, my time's passed. And like, you shouldn't, nobody should ever feel like that. So that's why I'm excited for you. You know, like, I'm glad for you to share this, you know, your story. No, I know. If I, you know, if I had followed my high school self, I'd just be like a roadie for Finch or something corporate. So yeah, I'm glad that I ultimately kind of figured yeah. it out. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I'm right there. Yeah, I would have been a videographer for for them. We would have been we, on the we, same we tour. Exactly. We still would have met. We yeah. already would have known each other. We yeah. would both be wearing Finch gear. Oh man. Um, so, so yeah, so you just decided to start writing stuff. Did you have an outlet for it? Did, or was it something you were keeping to yourself? I, if I have to look back on it, I think that I probably always wanted to write and yeah. just didn't really know that it was a possibility because really writing was always like a means to an end. As I told you before, like I had been researching all of these people and then it's, the question is, okay, then what? Yeah. You know, what are you going to do with all of these insights? And I had you know, written this long ass biography and 
I, you know, if you look at it in hindsight, it's kind of like, yeah, the answer was always there. You were supposed to kind of keep writing. Yeah. Um, so I was really lucky because I had a really close group of friends who were kind of like, yeah, we've been waiting for you to come to this conclusion like this yeah. whole time. Uh, and so I, you know, started by just kind of sharing stuff with them and having them edit my stuff and, you know, encouraging me to try and publish. And you know, I don't know. No, I, that's cool. Well, so I guess my next question is, was that when you're trying to make that leap, mm-hmm. you know, what what was that process for you to to get your stuff out there. Like how were you at like the bottom of a mountain where you can see the top and you're like, how the fuck do you get up there? You know, like that's how it feels a lot of the time. I think, you know, yeah, doesn't it? I feel like it's like, I'm like, that's a consistent feeling. No, it's no, oh no, no. It's always, you know, at the beginning of any project, you're like, how the fuck am I going to get up there? You know? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, right? Like I don't think that I even, was so dead set on like, I have to be X kind of writer. Mm-hmm. Like I was just really excited about the idea of writing in general. And so it, you know, it didn't feel like as much of a transition because I think that when you're always observing, always writing to yourself, the transition is more in like your desire to actually start sharing that with people. And then from sharing that with people, try to actually make a career out of that. Right. So, so were, did you still have your day job while you were, you know, when you first started writing? Yes. And, and and what was that moment when you just, what was that moment when you just were like, all right, I'm going to write full time? Um. Well, I, I don't know. I think that's a good, <laughs> I'm like, I wish I could be like, I remember the day. It was a snowy December. <laughs> it was a snowy and December. I, was like, I had just eaten some cereal and, uh. No, I mean, I think that, uh, like my friends and I always say, the dream is when your side hustle becomes your main hustle. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I felt about writing. That's, you know, just like the ability to actually turn this into a full-time thing, uh, I think was probably always in the very, very back of my mind. Um, and I ended up moving from that specific job to a place called Above Average, which is like a digital production company. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like Lauren Michaels owns, or runs that or Broadway Video. Yeah, exactly. That's like it's, his company. Yeah, it's in the Broadway Video family. And so And that's like their web that's like their web content. Right. Uh, it's world. it's like digital digital comedy shorts. And so did I Did you do, did sorry, uh, no, did Above okay. Average do that uh Paula Pell yeah. one Upstaters or Hudson Valley Hudson Ballers, Valley Ballers, yeah. sorry. No, 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 yeah. Uh I love that one. Yeah, yeah, that one's great. I so I I was working there and it was right when it had started. Mm-hmm. So it was like less than 10 employees well how, how, how did you how did you kind of like switch lanes like how did that opportunity come about for you before we get into it I'm just curious um I I had heard from like word of mouth that they were starting this company mm-hmm. and because I think I had a broad-based experience in just kind of branding and you know melding business and melding art uh like that's a fairly broad-based skill set and I think especially in a startup you can kind of huge asset and like I I think it's it's more so that you can just enter and be like whatever you need like I'll do it and that's that was the attitude that I had I was like all right whatever whatever you have going on like yeah I'll I'll be a part of that so what was that like getting that thing off the ground I think 
I mean, I think it's such an invaluable experience to be able to be a part of something that's figuring out its identity. Because then I think that's where you yourself have the ability to just experiment a lot and do a lot of different projects in a world in which like, I'm not so sure that had I joined any other type of company, I would have been able to really explore writing and realize Mm -hmm. how much I liked writing because had I been kind of like siloed into, like there's a world in which, you know, if that company had been more established and I had joined them as a, you know, account then manager that's and your strategist thing. Yeah, and like, yeah. that's what I would be doing forever. Um, and so that's a cool thing about getting involved with a place as it's like being shaped. Yeah. You know? And it was such a creative environment and it was really, really like all about being hungry that I really admired that kind of mindset of just like working really hard. And then at the end of the day, being able to kind of, see that the payoff is working with very funny, interesting people. Mm-hmm. Um, Did something click when you were there for you? Like, were you like, oh, this feels really good. Like, I want to I want to keep doing this. Yeah, for me, it made me realize that I, like, in a world in which I think I might have been kind of interested in pursuing writing, it made me be like, yes, I need to just be writing. Mm-hmm. And so that's, I think, the true, you know, uh, transition for me that I was like I need to to write full-time so what did you have a goal while you were there um I yeah I I really wanted to be writing more because I think that like for me I always am someone who observes the situation and maybe take take a couple of beats and then I'm like all right like uh, maybe I'll think about writing something. Uh, and I think that being there and seeing how many people are in New York trying to work in comedy and how many people are super competitive. Yeah. And I think it's not even just that it's super competitive. It's that like, it's nice to see so many people raising the stakes at all times because you're Mm. like, all right, like there's really no room for me to be kind of half invested in writing. Right. Was it a place where you felt you were able to like sharpen your tools a little bit? I think it was a place where I was able to really meet so many people that I now am really, really grateful that like I'm some of the conversations that I had there were kind of what made me realize like, yes, like writing is the thing that I should have been doing this whole time Mm -hmm. and that, you know, I feel most passionate about. So did you get to a point where you felt that you took or you got like all you could from there and you wanted to just do full-time writing? Well, I ended up um, going from there to work at The Nightly Show, which had just launched uh, in the winter with Larry Wilmore. So I had been at Above Average and then ended up at The Nightly Show. Um, Was it something where, like, did you have to audition for it? Did you have, like, a a packet and stuff that you had to submit all that? I worked um, mostly on their, like, video side. Okay. so I, and I moved over there because I was just really excited about the fact that there was a show that was focused on issues of race mm-hmm. and class and gender. Mm-hmm. And like, that was something that was like truly, truly exciting to me because, um, in an honest way, you know, yeah, and, and watching the daily show too, you know, for my whole life, like the fact that then there was a show that was specifically focused on things that had always been really important to me, but that I didn't really have 
you know, an outlet to explore was really significant to me. And so um, I moved over there and, and worked on, you know, different kind of video projects, whether it was like with contributors or whether it was with guests that would come in um, and have like a couple of extra minutes to like yeah, shoot something. That's cool. Yeah. What, what did you enjoy most about your time there? Uh, definitely the people. The people because I feel like everyone who was attracted to work on a show like that uh, is someone who I continue to be friends with. And you know what I mean? It's just like, it's, it was such a rare um, opportunity to meet people who have like very, very specific interests that overlap like with your kind of interests as well. Yeah. I'm sure you've heard this a million times and I'm sorry to repeat myself if you've heard it, but like, I just really wish we could have seen like what he would have done with the, the election, you know? Well, I had actually by that point, uh, started writing on this other show what was what show was that um was that any given wednesday yeah okay with bill simmons right so so wait so <laughs> i feel like i'm like <laughs> jumping around no but it's great that's great like so how did that come about because that must have been cool because that kind of combines that goes back to your earlier love of like sports and like statistics and stuff <laughs> you know yeah i mean so i was i was at the nightly show and uh i had heard about the start of this uh bill simmons show and i i was really excited about the opportunity to write for um for a sports show as you said because i had had so much like childhood love of sports and so um you know ended up writing on that show and and really had a good experience there too Mm -hmm. well so you know that that was about like, that's like your third time going into something like as it's being created, mm-hmm. you're very lucky that you've been able to get, you know what I mean? In, in a way to come to a place where you're part of the team that's shaping what it's going to be. You know, and that's a really cool experience. It is. Yeah. It's been super cool. And I love, I love being on sort of like start up environments. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's like my inner Californian just speaking of just like trying to get into a venture capital backed startup but like but you know going into something like that what what was your mindset well going into that that particular show I was excited about joining a show that would be combining a lot of different interests because Mm -hmm. it was an overlap of sports and pop culture um and for me, that's always the most interesting type of environment is a place that can kind of try to unite several different ideas. So for me, that was the nightly show where it was kind of topical news, but also combined with identity politics. Mm -hmm. And in this instance, it was sports and pop culture. And that was something that was really exciting for me to learn about just because uh, at the nightly show, the show had been covering the election since like the very, very, I mean, really the earliest days. And so the opportunity to kind of look at the world from a different perspective uh, was exciting for me and to be able to kind of learn, okay, this is what a show that is specifically focused on politics is like. And then this is a show that's more focused on sports. And how does politics play into that? How does it not play into that? How do you write to that? How do you write about something that's very specific while there's all of this other stuff going on in the world mm-hmm. and kind of what's the balance there. And so for me as a writer, that was exciting to be able to go from an opportunity where it was exploring one interest as like a, you know, in a staff capacity 
uh, and pursuing all of my other kind of outside sports and pop culture interests vis-a-vis like other kinds of writing uh, and kind of flip that to this is a show specifically focused on sports and pop culture and now you're getting all of your information about politics and kind of identity politics right. through other other channels and and being able to kind of figure out what is the balance there what's the what's the pressure um like do you feel pressure when you're going into something new and and how do you deal with that i feel i mean what kind of pressure in particular like what do you well when you're kind of, when, when you're taking on a new job and then like the stakes are a little are getting higher and higher with each new thing that you do and the pressure to just make sure that you can do your best like to you know to succeed and thrive in the in this new zone i think i put a lot of pressure on myself all the time Mm -hmm. um and it's not necessarily specific to new environments as much as i always want to feel like i'm doing my best work and that in addition to doing my best work i am kind of you know helping whatever environment succeed as well and so it the stakes are always higher of course like when it's a new environment but Mm -hmm. for me i feel like it's like an ever everlasting hum of of that um you know so this path that you that you've been going down um what what do you what's your favorite thing that it's allowed you to do i feel extremely privileged that i've been able to make a job out of continuing to learn and and write about like whatever I'm specifically passionate about. So I feel like in a lot of ways, what I'm currently doing to me is closest to what I wanted to be as a kid, which was just like always reading. And, you know, the writing element of that now is just public and is not as, (laughs) you know, as tortured as it was in my childhood journal. Yeah. What, What are the moments that you find frustrating? I think... Writing can be a pretty isolating experience. Yeah. Um, So I think what I find frustrating is this balance of wanting to be productive by, you know, writing a lot, but that also there has to be a period of time in which, like, you're just consuming other things. Yeah. And... You got to fill up the tank, you know? You got to fill up the tank. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, No, and my friends and I at the show, like, used to always joke about that, that, like, oh, my gosh, I'm just, I just need to consume content. Yeah. Um, I need to fill up the well, which was a joke, but (laughs) there's some truth in that in terms of, um, I think that the balance between kind of I need to be productive while also feeling like, you know, I don't know, listening to music and doing all this other stuff and observing, it just doesn't feel productive. And so those moments of trying to strike that balance of like, how do I work efficiently while also learn more and like not just write from the same perspective from, you know, a finite number of experiences and how do I continue to have new experiences that expand, Mm. you know, what I'm saying. Um, you know, for you personally, what have you found, like, what are the tough moments trying to make it in, in current times? Like, uh, have you found that you've had a, like, do you have to deal with a lot of rejection? I think to be a writer, you always have to deal with rejection. I think that, uh, 
you know, the toughest periods of time, I think, are just that, like, you feel as though... Well, was was the question specifically like what is? Yeah, I mean, what are the tough moments trying to make it in these car- mm. in our current times, or like you know what you know what? How do you deal with like rejection? Is that something that you know you? Come oh, across? it well, yeah. it, specifically in our current times, I think that something that's been very challenging for me is timing in terms of like right now. The only thing I can think about is the election. Yeah. Like you know what I mean, and the only thing I can think about is the election, and so those moments of like how do I continue to write and share stories that are important because it's important for my personal like livelihood and it's what I enjoy doing how do I continue to do that while also balancing the fact that like it feels really strange to write a you know like a weird essay about Drake you know what I mean it's just kind of like I know it's it's I you kind of feel like where you're kind of beholden a little bit to like use your power for like good (laughs) I mean, yeah, not that no. not that writing about Drake is using <laughs> power for bad, but we it's all almost know like... that writing about Drake is only a source of good. No, I, I mean I think that like f- you feel a responsibility to that. I definitely yeah. feel responsibility. Yeah. I think it's really important, and I think that I would feel this way no matter what. But I think that also just seeing the way in which the media, in particular, was such an integral part of this election cycle, and there are so many holes and. There are so many reasons that this election could have been different. Uh, that weighs on me very heavily. And mm-hmm. so specifically being a writer in these times, like th- that's like a very, you know, current example. Right. But I think that in general, it's balancing sort of whatever your own interests are with kind of your greater responsibility to talking about the world around you and not always just kind of, sharing a story based on I think this is important because it's uh, you know important to have a sense of escapism like I don't that I think is like a really hard hard line to have in terms of like I don't know not everything can always be escapism sometimes it's very important to confront the issues at hand but it's not easy nor is it like I, I you know but that's the power of like good satire though isn't it you know um like to me, and this isn't political, but you know, like one of my favorite movies I saw this year was The Lobster. And to me, a movie like The Lobster is like one of the best critiques I've ever seen of like modern relationships and modern dating that I've that I've yeah. seen. And it's like better than a million like bullshit like white folk like mumblecore movies that are like, you know, like just so on the nose of just like, you know, stupid like you know, like trying to show, like trying to portray like real life relationships, you know, and like trying to like, you know, so to me, like something like The Lobster, which is like just pure satire of that. And like, you know, like, uh, like taking it from such a, taking such a ridiculous world, but like showing you the truth in that. Right. I mean, that's to me, I think that's something that gets me really excited that maybe there'll be more of that. I don't know. No, I mean, I, I totally understand what you're saying. I think that that's, that is the struggle, right? Is like, figuring out kind of what is the type of writing that is important to me and then also what is the type of writing that I think I I mean I just feel like there are people who are doing great journalistic like reported things on politics Mm -hmm. and so uh I've I've in the past few weeks like talked to people who are kind of like whoa 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 like too much politics like don't need to talk about politics and similarly, like, 
I've had moments of levity, which is necessary, and almost felt like I've had to apologize, right? Of mm-hmm. like, is it okay to laugh right now? And yeah. I, and so that's a little bit where my headspace is at the moment of like, I wonder what the next four years will look like in that space, right? Like, are we always going to have to kind of couch the way that we're feeling and sort of justify like I'm laughing, I'm, I'm in a good mood right now and I don't want to talk about that. Or is it, you know, what is our responsibility? And so those are all very, very broad questions, but they're questions that weigh on me heavily because I think that political satire is very important and it's right. something I really, really feel strongly about and really enjoy writing. Like it's a thing I think, and I think the nightly show did it really well. It's like, how do you make jokes when the things that you need to be talking about is like, police brutality like the way that uh, you know that like uh, people are being treated in like in certain communities you know or like even now where it's like you know for example like I know it sounds so stupid but it's like you know and, and I feel like a lot of what we do unfortunately in like the time that we live in is like people who are self-promoters like do well mm-hmm. I think like self-promotion is like a really great trait I personally like don't have it but it's so stupid when you're like hey check out this thing that I did when it's like why uh, you shouldn't be paying attention to this there's all this other fucked up shit right exactly that's it, going on like like they're literally fucking spraying down people protesting on native american lands like on thanksgiving you know what i mean right and so it feels so weird to be like check out my holiday sweaters like, yeah you know what i mean I, you know <laughs> 50 holiday sweaters that are so zany yeah exactly and so it, it's and you know we joke about it but I just, that is a thing that I think will continue to be a struggle moving forward. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I think that you're right. Like with the nightly show in particular, like it's this bizarre world in which bad shit happening was also what a show like that thrives on in the sense that like you have to have commentary for that. Mm -hmm. And like, I think that and and people put in perspective for you too. Exactly. And like that that is very important. And so for me it's kind of like moving forward as a writer uh you know it's how do you continue to write things that reflect the world that we live in as it continues to change and for me a lot of that is taking a step back and being more educated and yeah. continuing to read and not and not just kind of like firing off hot takes basically. <laughs> Yeah, we could all do with a little bit less of those. Um, so what's next for you? I think for me, the happiest I could be would be writing projects that are across mediums. That's something that's like very important to me, to be able to write a shorter piece, uh, to write satire, but then to also be able to write longer form uh, work and you know, whether that's in television or in books, like I love the ability to be flexible and kind of figure out a way in which, you know, my voice can be important and figure out like what the best medium for that may be. And being able to kind of work in several different mediums is something that I've really enjoyed and being able to kind of work in television and also see digital and be able to write uh, for online publications. I like being able to stay busy by kind of balancing all of those different things. And so for me, I'm just excited about continuing to do that. Cool. Kathy Liu, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. That was awesome.